So what I'd like to do today is kind of a mondo on Ango and on the theme for this Ango. Since we're starting next week, next Sunday, I'd like us to, uh, to be on the same page in regards to Ango in general, how we enter Ango, what's the meaning of an Ango uh, for us here, and also how do we understand uh, the theme for this Ango, or how we're going to work on it together. So I'd like to begin, I'm going to read a little bit from uh, Dogen's, uh, from Shobogenzo, a fascicle of Shobogenzo about Ango. And Dogen begins that fascicle by quoting a verse from his teacher, Rujing. And then he goes on to speak about the 90-day training period called Ango. And the verse says, Set your bones upright upon level ground, and to seclude yourself, scooping out a cavern in space, pass instantly beyond the gate of dualities, only taking with you a darkness as dark as a black lacquered pale. So that's the verse. And then Dogen says, Accordingly, since you already have that nose ring of yours in place, and now that nose ring of yours in place here is referring to disciplined practice, and it's coming from disciplining uh, the ox. Right? So we work, and the ox is what we work with, right? To look for the ox, to tame the ox, as you know from the ox herding pictures posted over there. So you already have that nose ring. You already are you knowing what, you know what you're doing, right? So you are practicing. You have cultivated to some level. You have cultivated your practice, your zazen, your involvement in other aspects of practice. That's already in place. And, you know, even, even if you are just starting up, there is, starting out, there is intention. There is some bodhicitta arising, some desire to be a part of a community of practitioners. So that's already in place. And then it says here, and you have not avoided eating food, stretching out your legs, or taking a snooze. You will remain so for the rest of your life. Since this is the way things are, you have not slackened and wasted your time by putting down your tools, your tools of practice. So upaya, tools of different tools of practice. Those tools include the 90-day ango, which is the very crown and countenance of, the, of Buddha after Buddha and ancestor after ancestor. So what he's saying here is that ango is upaya. 90 days of practice is not something to get through. Right? It, it's a tool, and a tool has a purpose. So we have to examine that. What is the purpose of Ango? Whether it's your first Ango or many, many Angos, one after another you've done, am I using it correctly? What is the tool designed to do? What am I meant to do with that tool, right? So that's one of the questions to look at. And it says, Buddha after Buddha, answer after ancestor, all of whom have continually experienced it intimately in skin, flesh, bones, and marrow, taking up the eye and the head crown of the Buddhas and ancestors, we make them into the 90 days of training period. One ango is therefore something equivalent to Buddha after Buddha and ancestor after ancestor. The Ango period from the beginning to end is what an ancestor is. It is our practice. It is Buddha after Buddha. Beyond this, there is not a single additional inch of ground, nor is there a great earth. The, great, the gatepost for this training period is beyond the new and beyond the old. It is beyond coming and beyond going. When an ango begins, it is filling all space without excluding anything in all the ten quarters. And when it ends, it has gone, having torn apart the whole universe until not an inch of ground remains. For this reason, when an ango begins, it resembles your giving rise to your spiritual question. It's a very important point. 
When anger begins, it resembles your giving rise to your spiritual question. That's the fire that we have to light under our butts when we begin an anger. And when it comes to an end, it resembles your having torn apart the nets and cages of your delusion. So that's, in a way, that's what we're working with, right? We raise the spiritual question again and then work with that throughout the ango period so we can tear apart the nets and cages of our delusions, the traps. Even though this is how it was, there are some of you who may well have personally experienced it as hindering you from beginning to end. And I think we can relate to that if we've done angles before. Sometimes angles, maybe often, can feel like a burden, a lot to do, a lot that I'm committing to do. Right? It's too much. It's hindering me. But what he's saying is, although it may feel as if it is hindering you, that's not the purpose. That's not the point. It's not meant to hinder you. It's actually meant to free you. So do we see it like that? So, the, and I'm going to open it up in, in a few minutes. Uh, the theme for this ango is Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, right? But Sangha as it relates to Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. So the, the, the focus will be on Sangha as it connects to the Buddha and Dharma, right? The three treasures, the baseline of our practice. Right? A lot of what we do actually is, is done to raise or to bring attention to the three treasures. For example, we bow three times, right? Three times at the beginning, three times at the end. Right? So if I take the water, uh, the water cup over there and I, I move it over the incense, right? Three times, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. When we eat together, Jihatsu style, right? Eat together. You take the morsel of food when you offer it to the a uh, hungry ghost. You circle it three times over your hand. Buddha Dharma Sangha. It's a lot of reminders of how, of why uh, these three are considered treasures. Without understanding that, or without upholding those treasures, the, the practice actually falls apart. So it's important we understand how to work with that. So in relation to, to the Buddha, right? The Buddha Dhamma Sangha, the Buddha, what do we cultivate during our Zazen? How do we use our Zazen? In a way, right? Well, maybe it's not the, the best way to look at Zazen because it's not to be used, but we have to raise the right intentions every time we are about to sit and not squander that period. We talk about not squandering our lives. But we squander a lot of zazen periods. A lot of zazen periods. Especially if we practice for a while. I think maybe not so much for beginners because there's still this, wow, this is interesting. I'm never, I haven't done it for a while. Let's see what happens. Uh, more challenges. We get comfortable. I, I think we tend to squander more. We just cruise through the sitting period. So am I using it correctly? Whether I'm, I am uh, practicing uh, breath, whether I'm doing shikantaza, or whether I'm, using, uh, whether I'm using the time to work on a koan. Either way, I need to examine the way I sit. And there's not a better time than ango for that. That's one of the things we need to do in an ango. Examine the way we practice. Right? So we don't take it for granted. And then how do we express what we cultivate on a cushion in our zazen? Through interactions with sangha members. Right? And then how do, we ex how do we expand that to interactions with the rest of the world, as we call right? So how do we express that when we interact with non-practitioners? with people that may not follow that path, or a path, or any path. 
people that may even ridicule that that we practice. So a couple more things I want to read and then uh, let me see what you think about that. <clears throat> this is from uh, Living by Vow. Kamula Daibo actually pointed it out when we talked about it, talking about the Buddha Dharma Sangha. <clears throat> and he says, by taking refuge, we take refuge in the three treasures when we take uh, Jukai. By taking refuge, we make clear the direction we intend to follow. Taking refuge in the Buddha, we vow together with all beings to walk his, the path of wisdom and compassion. Taking refuge in the Dharma, we vow to share the teachings and wisdom as boundless as the ocean. Taking refuge in the Sangha, we vow to create harmony without hindrance. And then this is from Being Upright, Rev. Anderson. When we take refuge in Buddha, he says, when I take refuge in Buddha, I don't take refuge in, in my good points or my skillful behavior. And of course, I don't take refuge in my shortcomings. I take refuge in me being me. We, we talk a lot about being authentic. That's what it is. I take refuge in being authentic. That is my indestructible virtue, he says, which is never lost except by me forgetting it or not facing up to it, or not facing up to it. It means to recognize my responsibility to live in accord with my Buddhahood. Even that, right? Even maybe that's too much of a word. To live in accord with who I am. Period. Who are you? That's the practice. That's the question. That's raising the spiritual question. In accord with what? Do I know? Do I understand? Do I experience it? And then he says, when we take refuge in Buddha, when you take refuge in Buddha, when you go back to being fully yourself, you begin to see how you are connected to and depend on everybody and how everybody depends on you. It's a very important point. Right? Everything is interconnected. Everything co-arises, which means there's nothing we can do, or not do, for that matter, that is not going to affect or is already affecting everybody and everything around us. Every thought, every emotion, every word, every action, every raising of the eyebrow, everything, affects everything. And with that, we will never know how far it will reach and how long will that ripple. So there's a big responsibility there. In other words, the first refuge, he says, really contains the other two. When you take refuge in Buddha, you begin to understand the teachings of interdependence, which is taking refuge in Dharma. And you honor your connections with other beings, which is taking refuge in Sangha. Very succinct, very clear, very to the point, very much to the point. And this is not so much about being a Buddhist as much as being a human being. So, I want to open it up. First of all, if you have questions about Ango, how to function in Ango, we can talk about that. Uh, but also, how do we see that? How do we understand Ango? How do we understand working with this thing? I have more to say about it, but I want to first hear where you're at with it. So, if anybody wants to begin, that's fine. If not, then Daiba will. Oh, anger, anger. Um, so I use it as a time to, to recenter myself. Um, you know, I try to tighten things up that have gotten a little looser. Um, and, you know, you can take that for the loose things in your life that you want to tighten up. I won't go through mine. Um, and I use it as a time to uh, commit more deeply to my practice, as we all do, um, but specifically through the theme. Uh, so this theme with 
the Sangha and the Three Treasures, um, I'm really committing to uh, creating more harmony in my life um, through, uh, through my practice and, and through my, my meditation and through my book study. So um, one of the things that I've kind of thought about is like, well, how do you do that? You know, and still be, you know, authentic and still be true to yourself. Um, so that's really what I'm going to be focusing on in it for me. Um, and what that means for me right now, and it'll change over the course of the, the next three months, I'm sure, um, is um, the interconnections that I have with people. Right, and how do I make those connections more harmonious? Um, and one, the starting point that I'm using is kindness. Right? Kindness is like the lubricant that makes harmony kind of happen. Uh, and I don't mean kindness necessarily as being a doormat or accepting everything. I just mean you know kindness to people when you agree with them, kindness to people when you disagree with them. Um, so. Uh, that's how I see Ango. I, I really see it as an opportunity to kind of um, tighten things up and open things up at the same time. So the, the, you raise a very important point actually, right? And it's very connected to moving from how I am to moving from to acting with others, to interacting with others, right? And it's a very important point because in Aikido, for example, you know, and, and I mention it sometimes on the mat, uh, we practice with another person attacking us and we move in different directions, but if we don't know how to operate this one here, how can I move with another, how can I harmonize with another human being, with somebody else's energy? If I don't know how to control and operate those four limbs from that center, and this is where the practice happens. It's very much the same with our practice, right? We talk about expanding from zazen to interaction with other people, be it sangha members here or at work, on the road, uh, wherever we are, right? We interact with other people. But if I'm not looking at the one, this one here enough, and I'm creating um, all kinds of uh, difficulties in myself, right? So. I am, I am judging myself for doing certain things, for not doing something else. I am actually cultivating judgmental mind. And with that mind, I go out and interact with other people. Of course, I'm going to be judgmental with other people. It's a given. Because I am training myself to be judgmental. Right? So, but if I train to accept, first of all, to, to understand <clears throat> what this one is and to operate from that, <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, one second. <clears throat> and to and to from there interact with other people, then I have a, a better way of interacting, communicating, uh, bring out kindness to the world, right? Because I cultivate, I practice kindness with this one here. Am I? Are we? How, how are we seeing ourselves? I mean, we, we know that we can be our worst critic. Right? We constantly judge ourselves, quantify ourselves, compare ourselves to others. And that's how we interact with other people. So if we don't bring acceptance of this one here, we cannot bring acceptance to others. I mean, it's just, you know, we look at what happened in New Zealand, right, a few days ago. I mean, we get many examples of what happens when we cultivate judgmental mind. We believe it to be true. And then we go and act on it. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that um, I was hearing Dave and then uh, he was, I was thinking that um, there's two levels of what I was thinking about doing in this angle. And uh, one level has to do with what, what you were mentioning, and as in Daigo hinted, and you were kind of clarifying, which is we are part of, we are Sangha. So it's not an interaction with everything else, it's also an interaction with this. And, and, um, and in that sense, um, I, 
was thinking that the word I will use instead of kindness, which I mean is very related, is compassion. I think you know compassion has has this uh, overarching not necessarily I need to understand what's going on, I just need to be okay with it. This this uh this way of, of understanding also ourselves. You know, like sometimes what we do is like I don't understand why I do it. I don't understand why I did that. That is to me is something I wouldn't do, but still I did it. And and the compassion has to do with that forgetting that there needs to be a reason, forgetting that we need to understand. And and in that sense it was opening to me, I mean it's it's I mean, it's a word that to me is a little bit broader than the kindness because you know kindness has to do with you know just neglecting, but the compassion kind of brings brings the kindness with it mm. because then you know start not judging what's going on, and um, I was thinking that that is one level of kind of the underlying level of the practice that we need to nurture on the sangha, um, and then I wanted to kind of raise on the more here level, seeing okay, if that's how we do it, but then what are we doing? And um, and in that sense, in, in my what I want is to kind of integrate more our work as uh, as a community. I mm. think you know, and I'm talking now again going from the how we do it with the compassion, and now working into okay, but what do we do really with this? And uh, I do think that our saga is um, I mean because we're connected with. A lot of people clearly, I mean, from very different places. Uh, sometimes we, um, and also because I mean, like the practice is about most of it is about silence. Uh, so we come here, we spend many hours together. We create a bond that is very interesting because it's very strong. But at the same time, um, it doesn't generate anything outside of here. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to see, I mean, if we can bring some sort of outreach in some sort of activities that yeah. will uh, generate um, kind of our, <coughs> our community to be participating in things that we believe that are interesting to do um, outside of the realm of uh, city and, and service and, and, and these so, so we can actually work together on something and yeah. so that will be part of what I mean you will hear that a lot in my curriculum I think you know we'll be bringing up um, I will research what we can do together, mm -hmm. participating in some activities in the weekends and during the week at late, late, you know, whenever we know we can and try to organize places where we can go and, and do something that is expressing our compassion and our commitment to the science. Mm -hmm. yeah. that, that's in the works. Well, it's one, right. it's one yeah. venue, but uh, actually Mitsuki is talking about another venue we talked about it. So the other thing that we can do with that is open it up and then we can explore it together. We'll talk about it and we'll talk with Daibo about it. And then yeah. we can uh, actually give it a tangible uh, aspect. I mean, I think, I think it's, it, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm opening up. I mean, like, although yeah. um, I will be centralizing the effort of making it happen, yeah. um, what I want is, like, if you guys have ideas of, uh, I don't know, anything that you think yeah. that participating in a, I don't know, maybe it's a shelter, a community action, or something that you think it could be bringing us together to go do something. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a good idea. And, yeah. uh, and you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to kind of coordinate that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that for sure. We'll, we'll explore that and, and mobilize, right? Mobilize, take it outside. I think it's important. I yeah. think you know. I think it's a practice of that compassion, yeah. um, in a kind of in a real setting, um, and and it's also will will probably make the bondness that we have sitting here more connected mm -hmm. at a different level. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me, um, Lauren. Lauren, do you want to say something? Do you want to add something to the discussion? Yeah.
yeah. is hugely supporting to me in my practice. So I'm, I'm really hoping maybe if we can make this, what I'm just thinking is how to incorporate this, you know, kind of what are the, you know, what's the rubber meet the road for what I can do during Ongo. Yeah, you can always, <clears throat> you can always do that. We commit to bring the iPad, you have to commit to waking up early. Because <laughs> you're three hours behind. <laughs> That's raising your spiritual question. That's how raising the spiritual question manifests, right? That's where the commitment is connected to raising the spiritual question, right? It's not just raising a question and then I'm going to go, you know, watch something on TV. <laughs> I raise the question and then I got to practice. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, and yeah. Feel it. Yeah. And so, so what we need to do, and this is very important, right? The communication is essential. That we communicate with each other, um, whether by email or phone calls or text. Um, there's also a hook I created. I'm gonna communicate with everybody by email about that. Um, hook I created a page on the website that is gonna be for blogging for us to communicate with each other. But it's going to be uh, password protected. It's going to be only for Sangha members. Right? So that's another venue to communicate, to share ideas, thoughts, experiences that we have uh, in a safe way without thinking it's going to get out of that. Because we're all cultivating something very unique. Very unique, right? And, and I, I've said before, you know, we, we cultivate a place where, where we can all come up here without makeup. No makeup. Nothing, just as we are, naked, as we are, no judgment, show up, that's it. We accept you, embrace you as you are. And that should be, I mean, we should all be on the same page, right? And then, that's what we want to ex expand, basically, right? So we start from doing it with this one here when we sit, right? We bring acceptance, total acceptance. Unconditional acceptance. That's one. And then two, we expand it to the Sangha. And three, we expand it to everybody else. If we look at it this way. Right? But that's the practice, that's the work. Right? So otherwise we create a bubble. Right? It may feel good, but then how do we practice with, how do we uh, function, interact with non-practitioners? That's, I think, this is where our practice is tested. Right? So we have to encourage each other. So we, we, we encourage you, you encourage us. We have to encourage each other. Are we doing it? So how do you feel? Do you feel encouraged? I do. Okay. How so? Oh, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next, next time, next time. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Well, there are other ways to share. Let's put it this way. You can always share in different ways. But it's good. I'm glad you feel encouraged. Good. Anybody else? Yeah. So, speaking from, from me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, can speak from me enough, right? So, um, for me, Ango is Raise the volume. extremely important because uh, sometimes I fall off the wagon. Um, and I get caught up with, um, you know, work, uh, kids, uh, other responsibilities, and sometimes you say, in a minute, or let me finish this. And sometimes I don't get back to sitting like I should. And um, I, me, I get motivated by being of service sometimes to others. Mm -hmm. It's very ingrained in my chemistry, with, you know, having children and, you know, coming from a large family and everything else. So sometimes I'm more uh, committed to doing something for someone else than sometimes doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. 
So that's part of the reason why, you know, I show up. Because, and, I, and I sit and I don't move. I try my hardest not to move because I'm trying to support everybody else. I figure if I move, I'm gonna give permission for somebody else to move, for somebody else to move, for somebody else to move, right? So I try for that reason. So I get more motivated doing it for others than doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. So on this angle, I'm gonna focus on doing things for myself and getting myself at a certain place and so that I can, again, continue to support um, Sangha by my practice and um, getting back to where I'm supposed to be. Can your practice be uh, dedicated to others? So then what you say for myself is for others. But as I'm saying is that sometimes when I'm at home, I can slack. I'll right. sit and if I, I'll, I'll move or, right. you know, right. but when I'm here, yeah. I'm not, this is not only for me, yeah. this is for everybody else, so I don't want to be the link that loosens up and lets, mm -hmm. you know, the focus slip out, you yeah. know, so I, I make a bigger effort when I'm here, mm -hmm. let's put it that way, yeah. and then I see how important it is because I go on Inside Timer, I use that to sleep at night, and I sometimes I listen to what other uh, people around the world are talking about, how they wish they had a Sangha, how they wish they had a center, how they wish they had, you know, someone that they can, they can sit with and they can share with, and I'm struggling, and, or, you know, just, you know, to feel like you're not alone, mm -hmm. somebody to share with. So I constantly, listening to the, you know, the comments and the importance of it. And here we are, we have this beautiful opportunity, mm -hmm. and sometimes we don't put the forth the effort or value it for the value that it deserves. Right, and it takes effort, right? It takes effort, it takes commitment. And that brings us, that brings this to the question of commitment. How do we deal with commitment? Because it takes commitment to sustain this, to keep this alive. It takes your commitment, my commitment, her commitment, his commitment. We all have to work with our own commitments, right? And prioritize. Because on one level, when I'm here, I'm not somewhere else. On another, I cannot be anywhere else, right? But on one level, I am actually giving up on doing something else if I show up here. Whether it's an hour of sleep or another activity, right? So how do I work with that? Is it a hindrance, as, as Dorian was saying, you know, some of us feel like, you know, the three months is a huge hindrance because it can feel this way. But then if we bring the appreciation to that, well, well, I do it because I truly appreciate that practice because it opens things up, right? Well, then it changes it. It becomes a way to free ourselves rather than a way to trap ourselves or hinder ourselves. So how do we work with commitments? Let's just take a look at that for, for a few minutes. How do you work with commitments? Do you find commitments burdened or you find them just another thing to do? Anybody? I think, well, this is my experience, my personal experience about not necessarily commitments for anger, but anything that, anything that needs to be done that mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to do at that moment in time, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's not related always to, I mean, sometimes I really want to see it, sometimes, but you know, every now and then you just feel like, uh, I, I don't really want to wake up, even for going to work, yeah. you know, which is a commitment that you will work with also have. And what I find is phenomenal is, so, <laughs> this is a running show in Argentina about, I mean, there was a, a show, a TV show, where it was the phrase, the catchphrase was, whoever sings, loses, okay? And, and it was like, it was a running joke about how moronic was that TV show. Mm -hmm. And, but it's interesting because it, it kind of got a different meaning to me over mm -hmm. time. And I think, you know, in those moments where the commitment falters, you know, whenever you sing, 
you lose. You know, you don't need to think. You just need to kind of get up on the bed, <coughs> do whatever is needs to be done. Because do, in the doing, all the questions disappear. Mm-hmm. All the issues disappear. And the doing is usually you know, far easier than whatever we think it's going to happen. Um, and that, I mean, it sounds very trivial, but I, I found it like again and again and again that it's very helpful. Yeah. And every time that I can, and so I've been able to concentrate on practicing that and I feel less burdened mm-hmm. by, I mean, that, hey, not every time it works, but when it works, it's phenomenal because it, you know, just go do whatever and that's it. Right. And it's, there's no additional anything or burden or heaviness. I mean, I think the heaviness doesn't really have to do with what we're doing, it has to do with what we're thinking. And I don't think that's new, but you know, it's, it's, it's our thought process that's creating the burden. It's not what we need to do that's creating the burden. Um, so, so that is kind of, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I think any, any commitment we go to make can, can actually be a burden, depending on our perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the important thing as far as our practice is, is considered is always to to look at that commitment not as that burden but as another opportunity to practice so this is one more thing that I can set for myself and if I set it for myself and I don't look at it like a burden now I can accomplish my practice through overcoming that perspective um, I, I think I think for me sitting as long as I have you know not so long not so short I see the areas where um, I've settled. It's very easy for me to come and sit because I've kind of got that down, but what I do while I'm sitting, I can definitely work on. Mm-hmm. And as far as Ango is concerned, I think it's, for me, I like to keep things simple and break it down. So these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses, and I pick a weakness to work with in order to make it a strength. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's remembering the chants from the book, which I did for one Ango period. Mm-hmm. Um, or working on personal things, you know, uh, that I did during some ongoing periods. I, I think it's important to, you know, it's just like it's just like testing, which I which I um, which I hate to do in, in Aikido, but it leading up to that test is where that's where the rubber meets the road, to use your analogy. Um, and the same thing here, ongo is ongo is the same thing. It's another opportunity to enhance my practice to strengthen. Um, those things that I need to, to strengthen. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's usually how I go about picking something to focus on. Yeah. Um, of course, keeping in line with the theme right. and whatnot. So. Right. So, so, okay, so to, to work with commitments, right? So first of all, to know that we are entering three months, you know, we are sober, we understand that nobody is forcing anybody to do anything, right? The entire thing, the practice is voluntary. We want to do this. Yeah. We're doing it because we understand that it is conducive. We understand that we need to practice because if we don't practice this, we practice something else. If we don't practice acceptance, we practice rejection. Yes. Right? That, it's just a given. Excellent, excellent point. That can't be stressed enough. Right? We, we everybody is practicing something. Yes. We always practice something. So if I, if I don't practice non-discrimination, I am practicing judgmental mind. Right? So it's very important to, in a way, I want to choose what I practice. I want to choose what I get better at. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to get better at being judgmental. Coming up with excuses. <laughs> or coming up with excuses, exactly. Or setting and buying nonsense to myself. Yeah. Oh, I know why. Really? Take a look. Maybe you don't know, right? To open it up. To examine deeply. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so when we enter, we have to enter with those intent, these kind of intentions, and then you know we put it out. Of course, there is a we do. That's why we have an uh, ongoing entry ceremony, and a shoe so right. So we keep it together, we maintain it because we know that we are not great at <laughs> keeping up with commitments. So we have to encourage each other. That's one aspect of sangha, right? But the other aspect, maybe we could talk about it for a few minutes before we wrap it up. Is so okay. So we create non-judgmental way of being with each other, acceptance of each other. How do we do that with other people who are not practicing? And we all know how difficult that is, right? Because people can get very judgmental. Well, we can get very judgmental, 
right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we have to work with. How do we bring acceptance to non-acceptance? Right? That's our challenge. So, right, okay. If, if you want, go ahead. You want to say something? Right? Go ahead. First of all, about your, the guy who sings Lucy's reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've got the play, La Fontaine, the crowd cinema, uh, an atelier with a piece of cheese. Mm. And the folks come, they say, wow, what a nice voice you have, and the crowd wants to impress. Yeah. Elephants the mouse, and <laughs> the cheese falls down. But it reminds me of the duality, basically. Oh, I'm great. This is, exactly, and this is where it begins. So this is why Sangha is so precious, because we practice what we want the world to practice, right? We want the world to be sane, right? So we practice sanity here, <laughs> in a way, right? And then, okay, how do I bring that? Well, the world is crazy, so I'm going to act as crazy, right, as well, because everybody else is nuts, and I'm going to, or for example, trust. Well, we, we cultivate trust in one another. But then how do we expand that to the world? Well, how can I trust people who are not... Trustworthy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? But, yeah, but that's where it matters, right? So, well, with my eyes open. And what if I get hurt by others? Do I stop trusting? Do I become jaded? Do I become hard and rigid and... Oh... Can I bring it, t turn it around? Say, well, how do ask the question? How do I want to be in this world? How do I want to be? Well, the red, the world is crazy. I'm going to be crazy, right? The world is discriminating, so I'm going to be discriminating too. Is that how I want to be? That's the question. That's the primary question, not how other people behave. How do we behave, and how do we choose to behave? And then to develop spiritual strength. To be, to be able to do that. Because it takes that strength. Right? So that's what we are working on. That's what we need to do. We need to do it uh, individually on the cushion. We see, we need to do it together as a Sangha. And we have a responsibility to bring it out to the world. So we don't create a bubble. So we got the work cut out for us. <laughs> right? Well, we keep chanting it every time, right? We, you know, we, the four vows. It's never going to end. It's endless. Yet we keep doing it. Okay. Any last words before we... Uh, yes? So, um, focusing on Sangha, mm -hmm. I would like to acknowledge that um, I come late every Sunday and I feel that this isn't the greatest thing for the group because um, everything affects everything else. And um, I have some things I need to do in the morning when it's light. Um, and so it's hard for me to get here early. Um, that will change some as the sun rises in the sky, I might be able to make it on time. Um, so I would just like to acknowledge that and apologize if it disturbs the group energy in any way. Um, so that's right, but what's important in that is that you have things to do and they're related to your well-being and to your yes. health. Yes. It's not, you know, I got to catch up on my reading or whatever. You know, right. it, those are important things. Right. right. And that's why we have to, that's one of the ways we bring acceptance of one right. another, right? It's not, 
uh, one size fits all. So, but I wanted to say, I did make this choice to yeah. do this, um, balancing my well-being against the group. Yeah. Um, but I want to say this in, just in case it bothers anyone. Yeah. So. Um, Actually, you give us another opportunity to practice not being judgmental. <laughs> right. So but, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming late. But on the other hand, you know, maybe I could just remove that judgment for you by saying this, and then you don't even have to deal with it. Uh, so. Right, right, it's true. Right, because thoughts arise all the time about everything and everybody, right? We see something, we hear something, right. thoughts arise immediately. And it's so annoying. The thoughts? Yes. <laughs> well, actually, um, I'm, I'm one of the ones that's always running in here too sometimes. That's when it's not, and it makes me feel like I'm not alone in my life. <laughs> yeah, thanks for encouraging her. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That was not the intention. No, <laughs> Because I'm a one more thing type of person. As I'm eating, I'm a one more thing type of person. Uh -huh. So I wake up, or I wake up six o'clock in the morning. But I says, let me do one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And before I, I realize it, I look at the time and I was like, uh, right. one more thing got me in trouble again. So I'm gonna, I'm working on not doing one more thing. Right. I'm working on that can wait. Until I come back. That's your. That's one of the anger commitments that you're going to put that's on the list. The, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. One more thing. Yeah. One, no, right. No more one more thing. You know. So I, I gotta work on that. It's what else. So. And actually, that's one of the reasons why I mentioned last email that you know uh, to to be on time is to be early. You see that? You just see that I'm already practicing. Yes. <laughs> to be on time is to be early. That's why we actually do what we do. We begin sitting as soon as we get here. We don't wait for the bell. You know, we, as soon as we show up, we, you know, we take care of what we need to take care of, put our stuff away, sit and begin, begin practicing. Not waiting for the Jikido to tell us practice begins. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. So we, we, this is what we need to do. And, and, and I will just end with one word, communication key to communicate. So we communicate to each other, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or to the group or to the, with the Shuso, however, or with me, however we choose to communicate. We have to keep the communication alive because we are not monastic, right? We're not monastic practitioners. We don't live together and that's how we keep it alive. Okay? I? Yes, Sorry. please. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, you asked me if I felt encouraged. Yes. I do. Um, as you know, I've unfortunately been surrounded by a lot of insanity mm -hmm. and a lot of what I refer to or feel as evil. Mm -hmm. So it's refreshing to be in a group or accepted by a group with like-mindedness, with kindness, support, and mm -hmm. I can't thank you enough. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, you raised a very important point, uh, very important point, just for a minute. You know, uh, what you're exposed to or been exposed to, right, is one of our capacities as human beings. And what you're exposed to here and what we're cultivating here is another one of our capacities of human being, as human beings, right? But we need to see, the point is, we need to see the entire spectrum of our capacities as human beings, right? So we're not creating a bubble and then putting blinders on and so go, I just want this, I don't want the other stuff, right? Because the other stuff exists. It's there in us and outside of us. How do we address it is our question. And I'm not saying there's an an the one answer. It's an ongoing practice. But that's what we have to look at. Things that are important to look at. Yeah, as human beings. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point, Koshi. I think the... Uh, yeah. Um, so, I probably less experience with other people in the Satsang, so I'm still learning stage, but... Um, my problem was that, what well, is that the, uh, so we all talk about this theory of mood and uh, compassion, but the, uh, the way I understood is that because that's the choice, yeah, I think that's the right choice, but it's not like I'm seeing it. So even though that's the, I, I'm, I'm heading to that direction, but 
from my bone, I don't believe it. That was, that was the problem. So, I think he just pointed out the uh, questioning is very good. So I think question like, you know, how we discriminate or judgmental, I think depend upon how hard you're questioning yourself. Mm -hmm. you, you're not faking yourself. You, are you really asking questions? It's, to me, very important. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, well, that, that's my answer. I'll talk more about next week. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, um, because we, all these compassion or the adversity, we have, like you said, we have to see ourselves but we can't see ourselves, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Because like a famous Quran said, knife cannot cut the own knife. Mm -hmm. Or fingerprint cannot touch the fingerprint. So we can't see it, but all we can do is just questioning. Mm -hmm. So through the questioning, hopefully we will start seeing those compassion or the uh, discrimination, because that's the only we can see. But as Dogen said, we have to do it ourselves. You know, we can't just read a book and mm -hmm. pretend like we know it. We, we, we have to uh, question it. We have to see it. So that's. We, we have to take the responsibility, right? Nobody else can do that. Nobody else should do that, also, right? So we, we'll end with that. Uh, the one thing I would just want us all individually to examine throughout the entire Ango is to examine the level of our restlessness. We all could use a lot of work when it comes to that, and it manifests even now today here in the way we sit, in what is moving in us. Examine your body, examine the, the restlessness in the body, and it will tell you your state of mind, your state of being, how you sit, how you move, what is moving you. Restlessness shows up all the time. So we have to be open to see that and to learn from that. Okay. Okay, thank you.